Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, are you ready for some football? It all begins tonight. Findlay High School head coach Stefan Adams previews the Trojan Country kickoff event at Donnell Stadium. Also this morning, how would you like to wear a full fur coat all summer long? How to tell if your pets are suffering from the heat of the season and what to do to make them more comfortable. And to your health this morning, nearly everyone enjoys the adventure of summer travel, but for those with certain medical conditions, it's an adventure of a different kind, and it's often just easier to stay home. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, August 10th, 2023. Among the first things you need to know this morning, and this will make you feel better as you get up this morning, if you have a bad hair day today, if you're having a bad hair day, then you can blame it on your genes, um, your DNA. A recent study published in the Journal of Investigative Dermatology, (laughs) which I never miss an issue of the Journal of Investigative Dermatology. I mean, it's right up there at the top of my reading list. But this recent study found that bad hair days could be linked to your genes. A rare genetic mutation could impact hair follicle formation, shape, and hair direction. The team studied the scalps of over 3,000 participants in the study and looked for genes underlying various traits of physical appearance, including fingerprint patterns, eyebrow thickness, earlobe shape, and hair curliness. Researchers found that the direction of the hair, uh, the way it comes out of the scalp, clockwise or counterclockwise, is linked to four genetic variations. There were no significant associations between the hair patterns and cognition or neurological development, according to Dr. Sijia Wang, conducted the study. So, if you have a bad hair day, you can blame your parents, is what I'm saying. You can blame your ancestors, uh, is what I'm reading there. It's not your fault. It is your parents, your ancestors' fault. Or your bad hair day. So that'll make you feel a little bit better to uh, get your... The only thing that would have made that story better if we'd have gotten it on a Monday instead of a Thursday. But, you know, here we are. Uh, So today is, among the celebrations today, National S'mores Day. And when it comes to chocolate marshmallows and graham crackers, the state most likely to purchase all of these ingredients at once... According to Instacart data, the state most likely to purchase everything you need to make s'mores, Iowa and South Dakota, apparently are the two states where s'mores are most popular, followed closely by Florida, Arizona, and Texas. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I misread that. Iowa and South Dakota at the top of the list. Florida, Arizona, and Texas are at the bottom. I don't know. Maybe it's too hot down south to sit by a fire but you know you can you can make s'mores you don't have to make s'mores by a campfire i mean it's the best way but not the only way anyway 
While snackers can heat marshmallows over a stove or in the microwave, nuked marshmallows certainly do not have the uh, consistency of those burnt crispy shell marshmallows that really give s'mores their delicious taste. 49% of Instacart respondents said that they would never microwave a marshmallow for s'mores. So, uh, Iowa and South Dakota, the top states uh, for s'mores. That's important information, right? Definitely need to know that on National S'mores Day. So, I am uh, originating, we are originating the show from the home studio this morning. I just had a little too much fun on my birthday and just couldn't manage to drag my sorry butt all the way into the studio. So, I just walked down the hall to the bunker and we're on the air. It's one of the nice perks about being able to uh, work remotely. And uh, I saw this story on the uh, Newswire this morning with unemployment at a historic low. More and more employees being in the catbird seat. Bosses seem to be anxious to keep their workers happy. About 70% of large American companies say they are planning to enhance the benefits that they offer to their employees in the coming year. And uh, report, I believe in the Wall Street Journal, said the number one perk that employees are demanding is the ability, the flexibility, to work remotely at least part of the time. I think most people want to come into the office sometime. I don't think a whole lot of people really want to work remote all the time. Uh, we kind of alternate between being in the studio and being here at the uh, home studio in the bunker. And uh, But it's nice to have that flexibility. And I was reading this story, and I'm thinking to myself, if this is really what uh, employees want, I mean, I would think if I'm a business owner, I'm all for that. As long as all the work is getting done, you know, and there are no productivity issues and so on, uh, this is a perk that you can offer your employees that costs you absolutely nothing, right? I mean, if employees are asking for, you know, more health benefits or, you know, dental and vision being added into their uh, benefits plan or greater 401k contributions from the uh, employer, greater match or whatever, all of those things are, are things that will cost an employer money. Just being able to be flexible with the employees and say, okay, fine, you can work at home a couple days a week. No problem. That costs you nothing as long as the work gets done, productivity. So I, I look at this as a win-win. If you can, you know, uh, increase loyalty and and uh, not have to worry about workers going to look for jobs elsewhere, not having to deal with that labor shortage and all of that just by letting workers work from home for a couple of days that's a that's kind of a no-brainer of course i can say that because i'm i'm working at home but uh maybe have have a a little bit of skin in the game with respect to that but still Uh, a couple of other uh, interesting items among the first things you need to know the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day you remember yesterday morning on the show we were talking about uh ai using ai to help you sleep 2023 going to be going down into the record books as the the year to be remembered as the year ai exploded onto the scene and we started trying to figure out all the different ways we could use ai and some of them have been a little specious some of them have been kind of iffy um and we've heard stories of ai being used for 
more, I don't want to say nefarious purposes, but not purposes that would necessarily benefit society. However, here is an example of AI definitely being used for the greater good. Researchers at North Carolina State University have developed an AI tool that can help phone carriers monitor robocall trends. It's called SnoreCall, a machine learning system that analyzes data from bulk robocalls. Uh, The uh, person behind this, Professor Brad Reeves, says we have developed a tool that allows us to characterize the content of robocalls, and we've done it without violating privacy concerns. It was developed without using phone numbers of real customers. They analyzed more than a quarter million robocalls over the course of two years, or about a quarter million robocalls over the course of two years, and found that robocalls spoof the number they are calling from and encourage people to call a specific number to fix a fictional tech support issue or tax problem or something like that. That's the way the bulk of these things work. And one interest now that is not necessarily a groundbreaking discovery. However, one interesting point that they learned, social security robocalls dropped precipitously when offices were closed due to the COVID pandemic lockdowns, which suggests that these robocall robocall operations occur in formal office settings. It's not somebody doing this from their basement that they're actually in an office somewhere. And during the pandemic, they weren't in the office. And so those robocalls really went down. So they're learning things about uh, the way these scammers construct their robocall campaigns. Three cheers for AI there. That's pretty cool. Um, (laughs) Here's another AI-related story. And I thought this was kind of interesting. Psychics are finding their jobs are being taken over by AI bots. Apparently, millions of people are turning to artificial intelligence fortune tellers to forecast what lies ahead in their lives. Instead of visiting psychics uh, for tarot card readings, they're visiting artificial intelligence mediums online, which use sophisticated algorithms and machine learning techniques to actually figure out what lies ahead. And these uh, psychics are not happy that they are being replaced. Although I'm thinking they really should have seen that coming. Shouldn't they? And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You remember the story, the classic case of corporate bullying, Taco Bell bullied, um, what was it, Taco John's. Taco Bell bullied the smaller Taco John's fast food chain into giving up their Taco Tuesday trademark, right? That was a a big story about a month ago. Well, finally, we are getting something out of it. Taco Bell, to celebrate the fact that they can now use the term Taco Tuesday since they bullied Taco John's out of their trademark. They are celebrating by giving their guests free tacos every Tuesday for a month. The fast food chain announced yesterday 
that guests can receive one free Doritos Locos Taco every Tuesday beginning August 15th through September 5th. Uh, Let's see. Here's their first Taco Tuesday. Taco Bell released a statement saying Taco Tuesday now belongs to all who make, sell, eat, and celebrate tacos. Um. I did think this was kind of uh, interesting. I don't know if you uh, caught this. In addition to relinquishing their trademark, Taco John's also donated $40,000 to the nonprofit organization Children of Restaurant Employees, which helps provide financial relief to restaurant workers with children who are struggling. So that's kind of nice. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, partly to mostly sunny today with a high in the mid-80s, partly cloudy tonight, a low around 60. A Finley Highway was shut down as crews responded to a car fire. It happened on Wednesday afternoon on State Route 15, U.S. 68 southbound, about a mile south of the Lima Avenue roundabouts. Fire crews arrived on the scene to find a car fully engulfed in flames. Didn't take long for the crews to put the fire out, and then the roadway had to be cleaned up and the car towed. One lane of the highway reopened about an hour after the fire started. There was no word of any injuries. See video from the scene in this story on our website. With the defeat of Issue 1 on Tuesday, the constitutional amendment calling for abortion rights in Ohio will need only a simple majority to pass when it appears on the ballot in November. The amendment would allow anyone to get an abortion up to 24 weeks of pregnancy. It would be based on the patient and safety benefits. Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights submitted nearly 500,000 valid signatures to put on the November ballot. Abortion remains legal in Ohio up to 20 weeks gestation due to a judge's temporary stay on Ohio's heartbeat law that would ban abortions after six weeks. I'm Tracy Townsend. The Hancock County Board of Elections was very happy with the turnout in the special election on Tuesday. We were excited with their turnout. It was almost 42 percent. So that was a fantastic turnout for us for an August special election. Jody Beal O'Brien said the turnout in the special election in August of 2022 was only 6 percent and the turnout for the primary just a few months ago in May was 12 percent. Get more of our conversation with Jody about how the special election went in the story on our website. Hancock Public Health will be holding an Overdose Awareness Day event at Dorney Plaza in Finley. We're going to have our mobile health clinic there doing wellness checks and testing, and we are going to have overdose survivors there available for one-on-one conversations. The health department's Sharona Bishop says the Overdose Awareness Day event will be held on Thursday, August 17th from 2 to 4. Get more details about the event in the story on our website. And remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. The kickoff of high school football season is right around the corner. And tonight, the Trojans will have their final tune-up before the regular season. It is the Trojan Country kickoff event at Donnell Stadium tonight. Joining us this morning is Finlay High School football head coach Stefan Adams. Coach, thanks very much for taking some time for us this morning. We appreciate it. Absolutely. I know, Absolutely. Always good talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. This has been a huge event for the past couple, three years. And uh, how how 
pumped do the kids get, do the players get for this event, knowing that you know it's such a big thing for the community to come out, show their support and all of that? How important is this for the team? Yeah, I think it's uh, it, it's it's huge for a lot of things. I think this comes from a base standpoint, right? It's, it's huge for a dress rehearsal for next week. Um, that's the first part. And then on the other end of it, too, it, it just creates some excitement. It kind of creates a means to an end of training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that they're looking forward to be done, but like it's like a nice cap, right? Like, hey, we have community <laughs> day. People are going to come out, you know, we got scrimmage, and all of our kids will get a chance to play, families coming out. So it, it's just a great chance to kick off the year. And I, I always tell our guys, you know, you know, and I, I'm a multi-sport guy. I love different sports, but you know, we're pretty fortunate that our sport gets to be the one to kind of showcase and help kick off this whole year. Yeah, uh, I th- I think there are probably some of the players, uh, some of the kids who will be glad that uh, training camp is over and it's time to actually start to get down <laughs> to <laughs> real business. What are the goals uh, for this evening? I mean, uh, in in terms of the the in football terms from this scrimmage, yeah. what are your goals going into this scrimmage tonight? Yeah, I think for us, it's a major part of it is just being able to get out there and um, you know go through our our normal game day warm up. It's like a dress rehearsal, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So from a beginning part of it, it's to work, you know, just working and teaching the logistics of you know when we show up, how we show up, how we take the locker room, how we leave the locker room, how we warm up, you know, and then finding out the fine details that we need to kind of add or subtract from a coaching standpoint and a kid standpoint. But then also to get out on the field and, and, and just really get a good feel of what a game day atmosphere is going to feel like, uh, what it's going to sound like, what it's going to look like. Um, so I'm super excited to kind of see uh, what, what's to come up tonight. But then definitely excited to see from a football standpoint, our kids, uh, how they've progressed in the last week. Uh, we were able to have a scrimmage last week against St. Mary's, mm-hmm. but we did a lot of really good things. And then, okay, we had a, you know three days of work you know, what, what do we look like three days later? You know, that many days later. Yeah. Uh, you know, have we improved? Have we gotten better on those little things that we've talked about during film sessions and our corrections period? Uh, just once again, just getting better every day. We always talk about being one day better. And uh, I think we've done just that. We were talking with uh, Tim Montgomery yesterday about the fact that, you know, it's one of the things that's part and parcel to high school football is that you have turnover. I mean, you've got every couple, three years, basically a brand new team to deal with. What about those holes that you're looking to fill uh, on the on the roster from last year, I mean, I would imagine at this point you pretty much have a, a, a good idea of who's going to fill those open slots uh, that were left to graduation from last year, right? Well, I say yes and no, right? Like we're still yes from the standpoint. We we have a good idea. I think the unique part is kids seem to always rise to the occasion. Um, I think as coaches by nature, uh, you know, we're not obviously we're not recruiting right we just get we get who right. we get in our, right. in our buildings in our schools um and you know yeah you're like oh man you know like last year we lost five offensive linemen right uh we had four starters and one guy that wrote a couple guys that rotated you know so it's like man like what's gonna happen and then all of a yeah. sudden over the course of the, the month of off season you know some kids grow they get stronger they get taller they get bigger they get more and they just get more involved in the game of football so you know it's like oh man we're sitting in camp like Oh, look, look at this, right? Look at the, how much this kid's grown over the, the mm-hmm. course of the offseason. Somebody always rises to the top. So, obviously, I think being able to go out there and being in the environment we're in tonight, 
we'll continue to learn more about our guys. Yeah, we have some things, I wouldn't say solidify. We have, we have a good idea. Mm-hmm. But then it's a great opportunity for some of our guys to, to solidify themselves tonight before we get rolling next week. You make such a good point because that's another thing that's part and parcel to high school football is that kids are still growing. So uh, you you may come into camp on the first practice and discover that somebody has suddenly shown up that you didn't expect uh, that will naturally fill a role that you thought you might have uh, concern that might be a concern area. I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, we... You know, we, we watch these kids grow, and I think sometimes we get a little jaded because we're with them every single day, right? Yeah. Um, and then next thing you know, they have to go out, because most of it's just workouts, uh, you know, sprinting, cardio, uh, lifting, of course, and then being able to add some of those uh, individual instruction times in as well, too. But then, like, you don't really know until the pads come on. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, okay. You know, like... <laughs> A kid that's put a lot of work in is really stepping up here. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's a, I think it's fun. And I think it's also, it's what makes high school sports pretty, you know, beautiful and awesome. I think we yeah. get a chance to, we don't know who we're going to have every year. We don't get, we don't, we don't recruit, you know? So it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like until we get them out there. And then it's our job as coaches to try to find the, the best spots and the best places to put the kids uh, in to be successful. And that's what I've kind of driven home with our staff is, Let's continue to comb through and find ways to let our kids and help our kids be successful. From a coaching standpoint, while we're on this subject, I'm, I'm just curious, what are the most challenging positions to replace? I mean, when you have a hole, when you lose a player to graduation, what are the most challenging roles to fill? Yeah, I would say, um, you know, I think by nature, that's a question I when I'm thinking, I'm sitting here thinking about it right now because take away maybe player and take away and, and talk about leadership. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to replace leadership. And because once again, guys grow and guys are rolling. And in my third year, I, I, I feel like we're starting to get to the point where the leadership is just going to continue every single year. Guys are going to replace it. But I think just that leadership, I think just that presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if you do go to the football part of it, I mean, experience. You know, a kid like, you know, uh, Luke Montgomery, who's played sure. all four years. Like, he's a, he's got, he's played and had a lot of experience. Yeah. You know, Tucker Oliver, who was, Tucker Oliver, who was always right there on the cusp, uh, as a sophomore and then junior year and senior year. Like, you can't replace the experience mm-hmm. in those big time games that these kids played in. So those, those I, intangibles. I would say just experience. Those, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, uh, got to ask you about this too. Obviously, heading into the season, it's a new conference again. As we were talking about yesterday, this is a little bit different than most times when a team or when a school will change conferences and suddenly you've got a lot of unfamiliar foes on the schedule. That's not the case here. Not only uh, are you bringing on a lot of uh, the other track schools, uh, former track schools will join you in the NLL, but also uh, fairly familiar with a number of the opponents who are in the conference who have been on your schedule in the past. So this being a new conference, not the big challenge maybe that it would be you you would think going in well i, I think it's, uh, i would kind of go back and say yes it is a challenge because i mean we do we're playing against a uh, i mean this is it's a pretty good league yeah uh, well we that's true battles ba- battles that we've already had in our non-conference schedule so right last so many years uh that anthony wayne's been sprinkled in there perrysburg's been in there as mm-hmm. well too like they've been they've been some battles i mean there have been some good good, good ball games and 
you know, being able to have some of the pieces already from the track and then uh, the quality leads that NLL already was and is to join those forces, um, you know, as like-minded schools, you know, this is going to be fun. Uh, it's going to be a huge challenge with some really talented coaches and some really talented players and areas in there. So, you know, we're looking forward to it. I look forward to the new rivalries and the new, um, the new stadiums we get to play in. And I think, you know, change is hard, but change is good sometimes as well. And it, it does keep it, you know, fresh for all of us, kids, coaches, parents, family, all alike. Yeah. Again, the Trojan Country kickoff uh, event is today at Donnell Stadium. Uh, everything gets underway about 3 o'clock, and our coverage, we will have live coverage of tonight's scrimmage beginning at 5.30 right here on WFIN. And again, Trojan head coach Stephen Adams with us this morning. Coach, thanks very much for taking the time. Good luck tonight, and certainly good luck through the uh, upcoming season. I really appreciate it, and I'm looking forward to seeing everybody out tonight in support of not just football, but all uh, fall athletes and activities being uh, involved. And, you know, obviously the school year is upon us, so uh, excited to get rolling. It's a great time, and it's always a great time to be a Trojan, but really looking forward to this new year uh, and celebrating everybody. So, go Trojans. The best time of the year, to be sure, and best of luck to all of the uh, student-athletes. Coach Adams, thanks very much for taking the time. times we talked about summer travel over the past several weeks the two just go together summer and travel except that they don't for those who suffer from bph also known as an enlarged prostate for many the idea of constantly having to make pit stops well it's just easier to stay home just one way that this condition can impact one's quality of life and joining us is urologist dr david wilkinson from teleflex and you recently in fact did a survey on this very subject tell us more about this Sure, sure. So uh, when we surveyed our summer travelers, uh, 43% of guys who responded said that their travel would be affected by their number of bathroom breaks. 33% of those guys said that they don't enjoy road trips like they used to. And 25% of those guys actually based their route on knowing where the bathroom would be available. Hmm. This is a health concern. It's not just an inconvenience. Uh, When we start planning uh, our trips based on knowing where bathrooms are, we have an issue. Uh, and the issue is that if this is left untreated long enough, uh, men can develop permanent bladder damage. So let's back up a little bit here, uh, maybe start at the beginning. Exactly what is BPH? What are the telltale signs, um, you know, the the warning signs that is getting to that, that point where we, you know, really need to address this? Yeah, absolutely. BPH stands for benign prostatic hyperplasia, which essentially translates into overgrowth of normal cells in the prostate. As that happens, the urine channel that runs through the prostate begins to get narrow. That forces our bladders to work harder to push urine past the prostate, and that leads to the uncomfortable symptoms of going frequently, going very urgently, getting up more at night to urinate. Uh, So again, not just the convenience thing. Uh, it's, it, you know, planning your daily life. Are you going to make it through your Zoom meeting? Are you going to make your, your hour commute to work? Uh, are, are you going to be able to uh, get enough sleep at night to let your body rest and recover if you're mm-hmm. getting up for your Right. So, 
And is the fact that the first word in that is benign, is that one of the reasons why maybe this is sometimes not taken as seriously as it really should be? It is. I think that's part of it. Uh, it is a benign condition. But, it, you know, if men live long enough, they will be affected by this. Right. Uh, what, I, what I want to state very clearly is having these urinary symptoms is not a normal part of aging. And a lot of guys just chalk this up that, well, you know, I'm getting older. This is what happens. No. Yeah. Uh, we want to, we want to evaluate those men and intervene sooner to preserve their bladder, right? A bladder can ultimately fail. If it's, if it's obstructed long enough by the prostate, it can ultimately fail. And when a bladder fails, there's no guarantee it's going to work again. So right. Getting, uh, getting help sooner as opposed to later is a big issue. Yeah. So just because, uh, you know, benign does not mean no big deal. So what, uh, so what options are there for those with BPH? In the past, we've used a lot of medication. Uh, medications treat the symptoms of, of the BPH, but they do not solve the problem. Okay. As soon as you stop the medication, those symptoms come right back. So we've also done uh, more invasive things, remove you know, uh, remove uh, prostate tissue or vaporize prostate tissue with heat or laser or electricity. Uh, but those, those carry significant risks uh, of bleeding. They require hospitalization, catheters. We now have new minimally invasive options. And one in particular is the Eurolist system. The Eurolist system is a proven uh, minimally invasive treatment that can be done outpatient, even in an office. Uh, the majority of men do not require a catheter after the procedure. If they do, it's literally overnight, not any longer than that. Um, the recovery is much faster. Uh, the return to normal urination is within one to two weeks. The, uh, the return to work, the return to normal activity, all much faster than with prior uh, treatments that we used to do. And this is the only treatment that we do where we can say absolutely that there is no uh, there is no side effect with sexual function whatsoever. Now, uh, when we always uh, when we talk about medical uh, information on the program, I always make sure that we uh, insert the the phrase "the best source of information" is going to be your doctor for your specific uh, situation. So, always encourage people to uh, talk with their doctors. But what? Uh, what should that conversation look like? What questions uh, should uh, individuals ask uh, if they are concerned about this? So I would encourage uh, our listeners to go to Eurolift.com. That's U-R-O-L-I-F-T.com. They can take a survey about, uh, about their symptoms, uh, see if there are moderate symptoms, severe symptoms. They can also use that same website to find a physician a urologist in their area that does this procedure to schedule a consultation to sit and discuss their symptoms, this procedure, and make sure that this is right for them in a one-on-one -on -one consultation with that urologist. Dr. David Wilkinson with us this morning, uh, urologist uh, from Teleflex. And Dr. Wilkinson, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. 
we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Here is yet another example of a story that is the exception to the rule. As we've said many times, uh, generally we try to avoid uh, fatalities, uh, stories that involve uh, fatalities in the broken news because it's not really funny when people die. But sometimes the story is so unusual that it just defies all expectations and this is a story out of australia where aaron patterson aaron uh hosted a lunch for her ex-in-laws and three of them died police currently report the deaths as unexplained but they suspect poisonous mushrooms are to blame This happened back on July 29th. Ms. Patterson hosted a lunch for her former in-laws and her ex-mother-in-law's sister and her husband. The next day, all four fell ill. Three have since passed away, and the fourth remains in critical condition. Ms. Patterson and her children, though, did not fall ill because police, uh, police say they believe they ate a different meal. The plot thickens. Detective Inspector Dean Thomas says the guest's symptoms are consistent with consumption of poisonous mushrooms. Ms. Patterson denies any wrongdoing. But this was kind of interesting. The quote from the detective inspector, uh, Detective Thomas, says, quote, We have to keep an open mind in relation to this. It could be very innocent. But I think it's probably unlikely. Moral of that story, if your ex-daughter-in-law invites you to a lunch, politely decline. That would be probably the smart thing to do. Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, more traditional uh, broken news. This is, let this be a cautionary tale to you. If you are traveling internationally, be aware of the norms and the customs in other cultures. A Texas woman by the name of Tierra Allen has finally been allowed to return to the United States after being detained in Dubai for shouting at a rental car service employee. Ms. Allen has been detained since late April. After being a passenger in a vehicle accident, she went to retrieve her belongings from the car, which that doesn't seem to be uh, particularly nefarious things. If you were in an accident, you want to get your in, in, in a rental car, you want to get your stuff back. But she was told that she would have to pay a large fee to retrieve her items from the rental car. Now, if I was told that, I'd be upset too. Uh, Apparently, she allegedly raised her voice and was subsequently detained. Ms. Allen's travel ban was lifted after a deposit of $1,000 was paid to the police station. Upon leaving the country, uh, Ms. Allen was informed that she had been banned from ever returning to the United Arab Emirates. I'm not sure I'd want to go back. I've been detained for months for shouting at a rental car employee. And to add insult to injury, she still may have to pay the fee to the car rental company. (laughs) Although I don't know how they would enforce that if she's 
not in the country anymore. I mean, what are they going to do? I don't think we have an extradition deal <laughs> with the UAE, especially over something that... But can you imagine if we had that kind of a law in this country that you couldn't yell at rental car employees? <laughs> the jails would be full. In other broken news, speaking of taking a vacation, sometimes you just can't escape work. And I, if you've ever had that happen where you've gone on vacation and you just can't completely break free from work, things just keep coming up and it ruins your vacation, you know how frustrating that can be. The mayor of Tampa uh, found this out. Uh, Jane Castor uh, was on a family fishing trip in the Florida Keys when she fished out 70 pounds of cocaine. <laughs> Uh, apparently, Ms. Castor, Mayor Castor, spent about eight years working narcotics in the Tampa Police Department before serving as police chief and then later becoming mayor. She said she found the drugs while fishing around some debris off the coast of Marathon, Florida. The uh, street value of the drugs has been estimated at $1.1 million. You got more drugs off the street. That's the good news. But doggone it, I wanted to escape. You know, I wanted to want to just get away and not think about work for vacation. That's what vacation's supposed to be all about. Sometimes you just can't escape. Work catches up with you. <laughs> uh, but a cool ending to the story. They got it off the street anyway. Uh, 11 people in Oklahoma City are in custody in connection to an alleged cockfighting event. Um, what really caught my eye about this story and makes it a part of the broken news is that Chance Campo is one of those that was arrested for his alleged role in the cockfighting ring. Uh, this was all busted up back in June. And what makes that significant is Mr. Campo is a district director for, for the Oklahoma Game Foul Commission. The district director of the Oklahoma Game Foul Commission arrested in connection to an alleged cockfighting cock ring. You would think he would know better. You would think. <clears throat> uh, he is facing felony charges. And probably looking for a new line of work, I would imagine. And finally, in the broken news this morning, um, <laughs> in Colorado... A new driving instructor had a bit of a rocky debut as his car took an unexpected detour into the store, into the uh, school where they were set to begin teaching at. <laughs> at the community driving school in Colorado is where this happened. Um, an irony-laden misadventure. Thankfully, quick reflexes among onlookers averted a worse outcome. Only one minor injury was reported, according to local news reports. According to the proprietor of the community driving school, Steve Roman, uh, it says in a twist of fate, the rookie instructor's mishap occurred only on his second day of employment. En route to a classroom training session... The instructor's vehicle, it was, it was his own personal car. It wasn't a, uh, an instruction car. 
It wasn't a driver's ed car. It was his own personal car. Um, Mr. Roman took swift action, it says here. He has parted ways with the uh, driving instructor, which is probably uh, a good thing. If you drive your own personal car into the driving school, (laughs) not drive it to the driving school, drive it into the driving school, you're probably not cut out to be a driving instructor. Uh, the uh, owner of the community driving school, Steve Roman, uh, emphasized his commitment to everyone's safety, echoing that student and instructor welfare, student and instructor welfare remains his paramount concern. So he has parted ways <laughs> with that particular instructor. Probably a good decision. Probably mulled that over for all of about three seconds. You know what I mean? Before deciding, yeah, this is probably is not going to work out. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report. An update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN has the final tune-up for the Finley Trojans on Thursday night as they scrimmage Wayne High School. This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height as we bring you all the action live from Donnell Stadium starting at 6 p.m. Then get set for another exciting season of Trojans football with the opener on Friday, August 18th with Toledo Central Catholic. The Trojans play here on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Time now for your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Do you ever find yourself reminiscing over your childhood, your favorite childhood memories, your favorite childhood toys? Um, (laughs) New survey reveals that four in five Americans are secretly kid alts. (laughs) Still looking for their childhood favorites for nostalgia, kid alts. Um, <laughs> it says here in the, uh, in the story, who needs an iPhone when you still have a Game Boy? Well, I don't know if I can go that far, but, uh, this poll of 2000 American Gen Zers and millennials found that if given the opportunity, 67% would try to buy a replica of something from their childhood and 76% feel a sense of nostalgia in the process. Uh, This comes as two in three adults, 65%, realize that they can now buy things for themselves that their parents would never let them have or couldn't afford to buy for them when they were kids. (laughs) And now they're adults, and they can afford to buy them. We're going to get it at long last. I think we've all done that, haven't we? I mean, with respect to something that we have bought for no other reason than we always wanted it as a kid and just never could get it, never, you know. So uh, anyway, of those who have made this realization <laughs> that they they now can buy these things for themselves, of those who have made this realization, 54% either often or always buy the things that they could never have as kids, including... Video games, 51% said video games, where they go for. 51% said clothes, which I thought was kind of interesting because, you know, fashions are very different. So if you see somebody walking around who is not <laughs> who is not in fashion, who looks like they're straight out of the 90s, 
then you can probably bet that they are dressing that way because they couldn't afford to dress that way when they were kids. Now, now they're buying those those clothes they always wanted. <laughs> For my era, if I ever see somebody of my age that's walking around in Jordash jeans, <laughs> I know it's like you're reliving your childhood, aren't you? 50% uh, today buy snack foods that they always loved as a kid. Uh, and I have a box of Twinkies in my cupboard right now, as a matter of fact, in the pantry. Uh, 41% uh, consider themselves collectors who will splurge on really expensive toys, <laughs> but call it collecting. They're, they're, they're collector's items now. That's the way we justify it. 41% say they justify this by calling their things they buy out of nostalgia, out of a sense of nostalgia. Uh, they consider themselves collectors. Okay, sure. <laughs> you keep telling yourself that. But again, I can laugh because I'm guilty of this. I am as guilty as anyone else. times we talked about summer travel over the past several weeks the two just go together summer and travel except that they don't for those who suffer from bph also known as an enlarged prostate for many the idea of constantly having to make pit stops well it's just easier to stay home just one way that this condition can impact one's quality of life and joining us is urologist dr david wilkinson from teleflex and you recently in fact did a survey on this very subject tell us more about this Sure, sure. So uh, when we surveyed our summer travelers, uh, 43% of guys who responded said that their travel would be affected by their number of bathroom breaks. 33% of those guys said that they don't enjoy road trips like they used to. And 25% of those guys actually based their route on knowing where the bathroom would be available. Hmm. So this is a health concern. It's not just an inconvenience. Uh, when we start planning... Uh, our trips based on knowing where bathrooms are, we have an issue. Uh, and the issue is that if this is left untreated long enough, uh, men can develop permanent bladder damage. So let's back up a little bit here, uh, maybe start at the beginning. Exactly what is BPH? What are the telltale signs, um, you know, the the warning signs that is getting to that, that point where we, you know, really need to address this? Yeah, absolutely. BPH stands for benign prostatic hyperplasia, which essentially translates into overgrowth of normal cells in the prostate. As that happens, the urine channel that runs through the prostate begins to get narrow. That forces our bladders to work harder to push urine past the prostate, and that leads to the uncomfortable symptoms of going frequently, going very urgently, getting up more at night to urinate. Uh, so again, not just yeah. the convenience thing. Uh, it's, it, you know, planning your daily life. Are you going to make it through your Zoom meeting? Are you going to make your, your hour commute to work? Uh, are, are you going to be able to uh, get enough sleep at night to let your body rest and recover if you're mm -hmm. getting up for your Right. So. And is the fact that the first word in that is benign, is that one of the reasons why maybe this is sometimes not taken as seriously as it really should be? It is. I think that's part of it. Uh, it is a benign condition. 
But, you know, if men live long enough, they will be affected by this. Right. Uh, What I want to state very clearly is having these urinary symptoms is not a normal part of aging. And a lot of guys just chalk this up that, well, you know, I'm getting older. This is what happens. No. Yeah. Uh, we We want to evaluate those men and intervene sooner to preserve their bladder. A bladder can ultimately fail. If it's, if it's obstructed long enough by the prostate, it can ultimately fail. And when a bladder fails, there's no guarantee it's going to work again. So right. Getting, uh, getting help sooner as opposed to later is a big issue. Yeah. So just because uh, you know benign does not mean no big deal. So what, uh, so what options are there for those with BPH? In the past, we've used a lot of medication. Uh Medications treat the symptoms of, of the BPH, but they do not solve the problem. Okay. As soon as you stop the medication, those symptoms come right back. So we've also done uh, more invasive things, remove, you know, uh, remove, uh, prostate tissue or vaporized prostate tissue with heat or laser or electricity. Uh, but those, those carry significant risks uh, of bleeding. They require hospitalization, catheters. We now have new minimally invasive options, and one in particular is the Eurolist system. The Eurolist system is a proven uh, minimally invasive treatment that can be done outpatient, even in an office. Uh, the majority of men do not require a catheter after the procedure. If they do, it's literally overnight, not any longer than that. Um, the recovery is much faster. Uh, the return to normal urination is within one to two weeks. The uh, the return to work, the return to normal activity, all much faster than with prior uh, treatments that we used to do. And this is the only treatment that we do where we can say absolutely that there is no uh, there is no side effect with sexual function whatsoever. Now, uh, when we always uh, when we talk about medical uh, information on the program, I always make sure that we. Uh, insert the the phrase the best source of information is going to be your doctor for your specific uh situation so always encourage people to uh, talk with their doctors but what uh what should that conversation look like what questions uh should uh, individuals ask uh if they are concerned about this so i would encourage uh our listeners to go to eurolist.com that's u-r-o-l-i-f-t.com they can take a survey about uh, about their symptoms, uh, see if there are moderate symptoms, severe symptoms. They can also use that same website to find a physician, a urologist in their area that does this procedure, to schedule a consultation, to sit and discuss their symptoms, this procedure, and make sure that this is right for them in a one-on-one consultation with that doctor. Dr. David Wilkinson with us this morning, uh, urologist uh, from Teleflex. And Dr. Wilkinson, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the program at our webpage. So slide on over to goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, what is it really like to be a Muslim girl growing up in the modern world? In reality, the struggles are not all that different from those who try to balance modernity with tradition in any religion. We'll speak with the author of the new book, Stay Daughter. 
So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.